Uh, good morning, everyone. Thought I'd make a sympathetic ode to New Zealanders with their unofficial national anthem after a bit of a tough 24 hours in the sporting world for them, particularly in a few codes. And I'll tell you what, they'd be absolutely smarting in a negative sense after their Rugby Union World Cup final loss to South Africa by the barest of margins in particular. A lot of racing, of course. Cox Plate Day. Say, amongst punters, probably the Christmas Day for a lot of the purists out there. And I tell you what, we had a fantastic finish as well. What a climax it was with Romantic Warrior claiming the main race. And there's a Melbourne Cup carnival to look forward to as well. So a lot of racing on the agenda this morning. We'll talk cricket as well. What a beauty it was last night, Australia v New Zealand. And I'm not just talking in a patriotic sense. It was an absorbing game. A total upwards of almost 390. And there's a lot of sport on the agenda today as well. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. My name's Damian Watson and I'm joined by Carl Kaldawi. Filling in for Tommy Haylock today. who's celebrating his birthday, Carl. How are you? That's it. Happy birthday to Tom Haylock. Happy to step in for him. And what a day's racing yesterday. They marketed it as Australia's best race, the Cox Plate. And it certainly delivered. Romantic Warrior. Uh, lunge just uh, on the line from uh, from Mr. Brightside, who who ducked up on the fence. What a brilliant race, Damo. Uh, anything anything you liked, uh, especially from Cox Plate Day? Obviously, Imperatres was just breathtaking as well. Yeah, developing a bit of an affinity with the Valley in general, Imperatres, it's fair to say, after that Friday night, Friday night performance a few weeks ago. But I think just in general, the finish, the atmosphere, I wasn't at the Valley. I was at the MCG yesterday, but certainly we were keeping an eye on what was happening and... Yeah, a fantastic finish. I don't know if it was the absolute strongest Cox Plate field of all time, but it was certainly up there. And I think my favourite Cox Plate will always be the 1992 Cox Plate because of the field and the drama with the fall, with naturalism going down and ultimately superimposed getting up. But it was a fantastic finish with a bit of a three-way go there to the line. A classic Cox Plate that was. And look, thankfully, I was actually at a wedding yesterday. I didn't I didn't get to oh, go to the, the Cox that's Plate. That's in the lay bit. Well, it's not quite a lay bin, and I'll tell you why. It's because uh, I watched every single race. I got to watch Imperatriz on, on a big uh, television. By the way, shout out to, to Turkey and Josh. Uh, happy, happy wedding. Congratulations. Uh, Turkey, who, who's the bride, that's, that's her nickname, uh, she came a little bit late to Why the is ceremony. Why she Turkey? Uh, we, we can't discuss on air, Damo. We can't discuss oh, okay. on air. Oh, okay. I can probably make the link. There you go. <laughs> Must so, have been an interesting meeting between the two. <laughs> so uh, so Turkey ar- arrived a little bit late, and uh, and news has it she was watching the Cox Plate in the car. Just, really? Just to make sure. Uh, the the all the the people at the ceremony got to watch it on their phones and uh, and that's great for me. I got to watch a co- Cox Plate. Got to watch a Romantic Warrior obviously win. Um, it was a fantastic scene. Obviously, uh, you know, with with the Hong Kong Jockey Club all there. Um, they're filming the whole thing. So yeah, it, it was great to to watch the scenes and and Romantic Warrior really a deserving winner. I think punters jumped off him after the Turnbull for. For some reason, I don't think it was the worst run at all. I think he stuck on. I know the trainer had some queries about Werribee and whether the horse was fully fit, but um, obviously the horse did have a, a good first up record. Um, but yeah, certainly needed the run and, and, and was explosive to the line in, in the Cox Plate. Yeah, no doubt about that. Before we discuss the race, we'll throw it out to the listeners. 0499736736. For a lot of people, it's wedding season because springtime, the weather's a little bit better. Have you ever been conflicted where there's been a sporting event on at the same time you're obligated to attend a wedding? And is there any, whether it be a grand final or something that comes to mind, any time that you've had to duck out or sneak the headphones in in some way, not necessarily during the ceremony, but... 
just interested to hear people's stories in regards to that. 0499 736 736. Early nominations for the lay-bin also accepted as well off the text machine. The race itself, are there any interesting in-play markets going on for Betfair? Yeah, so, I mean, talking about the Cox Plate, uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, What I thought was the craziest is that uh, Romantic Warrior really held his price late uh, on the Betfair exchange and and, and ended up firming... uh, a little bit later, like right before the jump. But um, what ended up happening was he took the most volume and uh, and naturally, um, you know, went on to, to salute in, in the big race. Uh, nothing serious in play, but it, it was such a, an amazing finish. It saw Mr. Brightside curl up on, onto the inside. I, I know I was betting in play on that race. And when Romantic Warrior took a, a good position midfield and um, – you know, he, he was in obviously in the box seat to, to finish well. But I felt like at the Valley when I was watching the races, a lot of the jockeys were taking that inside run on the rails and, and uh, cutting the corner there. And when I saw Mr. Brightside getting a really easy run, I thought that that was potentially an option for him. Got to $9, had had something there. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great race. Not too much in-play um, action that I, I can tell you now, but certainly Romantic Warrior was... Uh, backed very well. Now he's won over $17 million, almost $18 million, 16 starts for 11 wins, four group ones. He's an absolute champion horse. Can't wait to see him. I wonder whether he's going to go on uh, to the champion stakes. I I haven't read that news yet, but uh, it'll be interesting whether he has one more run in Australia or potentially goes back to Hong Kong for obviously the, uh, the champions uh, the champions meeting in December. Great ride from J-Mac as well, we should mention. What about Gold Trip? Obviously, Melbourne Cup on the horizon. Finished fifth in the end. Had to come from a long way back. Yeah, Gold Trip's a, also an int- interesting one. Uh, sort of had a sustained price on the exchange. The, the interesting one for me is Gold Trip. Obviously, the Valley uh, was upgraded to a, a good three. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether that's the ground that Gold Trip wants to be running on, and I'm not sure that's the ground that you want to be running on ahead of a, a Melbourne Cup. Uh, race, so I'd, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about Gold Trip. Not for the fact that he didn't run well; he he ran beautifully, he finished off really strong. Um, but yeah, is that race going to take a little bit out of him on that hard surface? Uh, I think time will tell there. Hopefully, uh, uh, I think listening to Kieran Ma over the next couple of weeks will uh, will prove really. Um, really well. Uh, we we got to see how Gold Trip obviously uh, pulls up out of the race. Interested to hear your thoughts. We're speaking a little bit off air about Militarise and Victoria Road. I mean, Militarise had that sustained run early to, to try and challenge and ended up finishing eighth at the end of New Zealander. So what did you make of those particular runs? Yeah, Militarise was an interesting one in the derby market. Three-year-old, you'd think that uh, maybe try to push forward a little bit. But... Uh, I think it was just such a, a good race that, um, you know, militarised was was a hot chance and, and finishing, you know, mid to the back of the field was was no, uh, you know, bump on militarised. I think it was just such a fantastic race. The the interesting one, Victoria Road, obviously vet checks was past fit to race on race day really late. Um, whether the performance was uh, a testament to those late vet checks, not sure, but... Uh, we were talking about off-air. Matt Chapman sort of made some comments during the week oh. saying that if Victoria Road won, it'd, it'd sort of be a bit of an embarrassment on Australian uh, racing, at the middle-distance racing. And you know what? I, I think um, the result in the end shows that middle-distance racing is actually fantastic. Obviously, one of the best horses uh, in the world, you have to say. Romantic Warrior was um, headed by six or, or, or five on the line um, in the field of uh, other Australian horses. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I think... 
Frank, Frank the Australian form, I suppose. We met Chapman, though. There's an element of theatre about him, and he knows it as well, because he likes getting stuck into the Australians. That's been the case since weeks. I mean, he probably made his name in this country to a certain degree by basically just tempering down the hype surrounding Winks. Yeah, but I love him. I think he's great. Great for horse racing. And he really battles for horse racing too. He's very, uh, he's very pro, uh, pro the persuader um, and doesn't really like what's happening uh, over in the UK in terms of new rules, regulations. And they don't have the prize money that we have either. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation now because you look at Frankie Dettori who um, you know, got suspended for the excessive use of whip and now he's not going to be able to ride in the Melbourne Cup. He's still coming to uh, Melbourne as an ambassador to, you know. It's his to farewell tour ostensibly, it's, isn't it? It's his farewell tour. I can't believe he's, he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to race in it. And surely there's some sort of appeal process you go to. I, maybe I'm just trying to make, you know, pinch myself and make sure it's not true. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> crazy, but, um, yeah, I, I think Matt Chapman, uh, all in all, is good for racing. He's uh, He's got strong opinions, and I think, you know, it makes the game entertaining. Yeah, you can't doubt his charisma. Now, the Manicato, of course, was held yesterday. In Peritrees, we discussed the performance there. What did you make of the Manicato? This is probably the first time intentionally that we've had it on the same day as a Cox Plate. Last year, of course, it was moved because of the lightning strike the night before at the track. And do you think it was probably one of those accidental things that we've steeped into, but do you think it works? I would rather see the Manicato be raced on the Friday night personally, because I just think we need to be doing our absolute best to make sure Friday night racing is thriving, vibrant, because I think it's the future. I think, um, you know, the more night racing that we can do, it's better for punters. It's, it's a better product. It's, it's more fun. I mean, I'm also a bloke that loves AFL. You know, I would love an AFL night grand final because I just think everything's better at night. Maybe not the Cox Plate, but certainly the Manicato as something would be great. Obviously they race the, the Mooney Valley uh, Gold Cup on the Friday night, and it, it's it's just not the same. It, fantastic race, but it's just not the same. I, I would I would steer to having the Manicato on the Friday night. What do you think? That's an interesting one. I don't necessarily mind it being on the same day. I think it's a good, effectively, if you have a look at the build-up to the Cox Plate, I think it probably complements it. But I can see your point of view as well. And I guess the one good thing out of the night racing so far, I think the crowds have been reasonably strong. I don't know about the comparison to previous years. I suppose it's probably a lot better, but you've got to take into consideration we came off the back of COVID last year to a certain degree. So I think overall the crowds have been pretty strong. The Moyer night, obviously, that was the case. Grand final eve. A lot of people do turn out, particularly when the weather's warm. I don't know if the weather was an able assistance on Friday night this time round. I, I feel like maybe in recent years that the Valley have been a bit luckier, but going back a couple of years ago, there was something with, with the rain clouds and they just hated the Valley on Friday night. Yeah. And they would get the most shocking weather. And it was just such a shame because um, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive endorsement for Friday night racing at the Valley. It is so much fun. Um, the beers are cheap. Like the tickets are cheap. The, you're so close to the horses. Like I think it's my favourite track to go to because it's just it's an amphitheatre as that, well. That cauldron atmosphere. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's infectious. You know the 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 vibe down there, and obviously they've got live music. Um, I chatted to Benny Allen, and you know he's desperate to to do more uh, 
um, DJ gigs after after <laughs> the races there. Um, I spoke to him at Crown at a media conference. So, and I think it's great getting him involved. Uh, you know, fan, fantastic. The more you can do for Friday night racing, making it more of a vibe and. I think it's going to segue on to talking about Derby Day and, and this new Palooza concept at, at Flemington, yes. which I'm, I'm massively about too. So Mel C, I think, is headlining. they got the sneaky sound system as well. I don't mind that. Yeah, Tom, o, Tom our producer, just in, informed me that Mel C's um, uh, his favourite Spice Girl and she's uh, she's Probably performing. the most talented singer yeah. out of the lot, to be honest. And, and she's fantastic. I, honestly, if, if I got to catch a glimpse of Mel C, I'd, I'd feel honoured. Um, Palooza, a new festival style. Uh, event it's it's going to be in, in the car park I think at uh, at Flemington um, and I love the car park there obviously um, you get to go in nice and early it's a real real event a uh, bit of a journey you know setting up and stuff and it's even funny when the weather doesn't go your way either it's just part of the, the theatrics of the day but no nah, should be awesome I'm, sneaky sounds this summer a, a 10 out of 10 I reckon I reckon they'll be awesome yeah, it just brings back some 2007 <laughs> vibes. Just before we head to a break, we mentioned Imperatries before. We saw it explode and basically shoot out of a cannon down the straight on a Friday night a few weeks ago at the Valley. What did you make of its run in the Matacado? I don't think from a market perspective there was anything complex about it because Imperatries was the short price favourite. So this is an example of where just watching the markets is is so fun sometimes. Like... Uh, I was I was having a look at the market and she was so steady at a, at a dollar forty seven and I couldn't believe that she she wasn't firming. Um, there was so much back and lay money uh, coming on and I, I think at stages there was twenty thousand thirty thousand that you could take on the Betfair exchange at a dollar forty seven, um, and and it was moving so quickly. In the end, um, she took a staggering one point over one point five million in match volume, which amounted to nearly ninety percent of the pool for the Manicato. So. Uh, an incredible amount of money uh, ca- came for Imperatriz. And, you know, I thought that was a good price in the end. I think at the end of the day, now we look back on it, we, we'll probably have her a dollar ten, a dollar dollar twelve for for that. And, you know, whilst <laughs> it's still a very short price, that's value off the dollar fifty. So, uh, you know, for your short odds backers, I think they probably would have had a fill up with uh, Imperatriz. I know you probably don't have the stats in front of you and maybe it takes a while to collate, but what was the traffic like on the market in terms of the amount of people? Haven't haven't got that, but I think the best indication is is the, the total match market. And if you've got uh, over, you know, over 1.6 million uh, for in, in a total match market for a group one, it's it's clearly a liquid market and, uh, and lots of punters are backing and laying. So um, at the end of the day, it, it took on the world world uh whirlpool as well which you know has been making news obviously uh, broke records uh on cox plate day but you know somehow her victory still had a 7.7 percent price advantage over the top tote price uh on betfair so the betfair starting price really holding up uh, against the whirlpool so yeah it, it, a great day for uh for betfair exchange backers Fantastic. We'll take a break. Scotty from Bayswater says, Morning, Jensen, mate of mine got married on the day of the 2012 grand final. Suffice to say, I missed it and showed up as one grumpy hawk to the reception. Weddings on grand final day could get in the bin. I would have thought, given the Hawks lost that, your mate probably did you a favour. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Well, it was a pretty good grand final, incidentally, as well. I reckon it's one of the best since the turn of the century. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six to text in. The lay bid's not too far away. We'll discuss a bit of rugby as well. Rugby Union World Cup overnight. South Africa defeating the All Blacks 12 to 11 by the barest of margins and heartbreak for New Zealand in general, I think, across a multitude of codes. We'll take a break. We're here, of course, all thanks to Betfair. This is the Sunday Betfair Edge. 
Back or lay NBA markets exclusive to Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge on SEN. Big welcome back to the Sunday Betfair Edge. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday morning. Damian Watson and Carl Kaldawi with you. Of course, joining us for Betfair. Back or lay NBA markets exclusive to Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. And just a live score in the Sheffield Shields. Victoria have won over New South Wales by 205 runs. They cleaned the Blues up with a couple of wickets earlier this morning, and that has just concluded. So a 205-run win for the Vicks there at the MCG. Time now for our lay-bid segment, the mighty lay-bid segment. What's heading into the lay bib for you, Mr. Kaldawi? The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. I, I, it's, I found it really hard to, to come up with a lay bib today. And, and this isn't even that bad. I'm, I'm not even being too too critical. But I want to talk about the ride of Fangirl yesterday by Zach Purton. He's obviously a champion jockey. Um, Fangirl ended up finishing seven, uh, seventh in the field in, in the Cox Plate. Um, probably looking at the replay again, should have gone a lot closer. Um, Caught in a lot of traffic on the rails there. Um, She's a sort of horse where I think if she gets clean air, she she races her best. Um, So, yeah, I'll probably put that right into the lay bin. But at the same time, I'm not too critical uh, on jockeys. I know that 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 was a tough race to ride in. It's the Cox Plate, obviously high pressure. So, um, but what I will say is wherever fangirl goes, I want to back her. I think, um, she's obviously going to go to Flemington. She needs a bigger track. Um, she's in the market for a couple of races, champion stakes, all the mile, potentially the empire rose as well. She's five ten uh, on, on the Betfair exchange in the anti-post markets for the empire rose equal favorite with Mr. Brightside in the champions mile. And then the interesting one is 1150 in the champion stakes. Yes. I hope that she goes to the champion stakes. I'd love to see her again. Uh, at 2,000 metres, uh, I definitely think she gets it. And I think if she had clean air, she's she's right in the finish. I, I reckon she's got a placing in the Cox Plate. All right. I'm going to put the Pakistan cricket team in the lay bin. They went down to South Africa the other night. And I think if everyone knows the history of Cricket World Cups, you don't lose to South Africa in a tight one. It's almost impossible. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. So, yeah, I think they'll be smarting after that one, the Pakistanis, given... You know, I suppose they'll bowl out for 270. They had their chances. South Africa claiming victory with just one wicket in hand, 16 balls remaining as well. But uh, they'd be smarting given the Proteas tend to lose tight ones. They've been winning the tight ones lately across all codes. Rugby World Cup last night too. So, yeah, that's a bit of a sarcastic one. And another one from me, it was driving in. It's marathon season as well as wedding season, Carl. It's marathon season. Shirtless runners. I mean, you've got to protect your skin, don't you? <laughs> Why is it that... Muscular people, they always always seem to find that they have their shirt off. Do they just lose their shirt or something? You wouldn't see me shirtless running around. I am a keen runner in general. Yeah, funnily enough, this is a topic that that always comes up, especially in the WhatsApp groups every now and again. Um, You know, someone sees someone having a run with their shirt off and, and they get bullied a little bit. Uh, me I'm bullied. I'm just concerned for their health care. You're misconstruing <laughs> me, son. <laughs> well, me, me personally, I mean, in, in terms of the aesthetics, 
Uh, I'm not a shirt shirt off type of, no. type of run guy. To be honest, actually, to be fair, I'm not a run guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't often get on the run. So yeah, actually, I probably shouldn't comment on the situation. I, I I'll start running first, and then maybe uh, maybe I can comment. Well, I do run regularly. You can just wear a singlet top at the end of the day. You can still show your guns. You just, yeah, not the entire thing. Anyway, zero four double nine seven three six seven three six. Any bad beats, particularly from yesterday, Carl? In general, there was lots of bad beats across racing and sport yesterday. Um, the Betfair Exchange always throws up, you know, amazing in-play stories. The first one before I go to a bad beat, I want to talk about Marnix race two. At Randwick, Marnix shocked punters, saluting with a Betfair starting price of $54. The best tote there was 39 so a significant price advantage there. But that's not the big story. Marnix found the rail, was second last. Rachel King uh, went on to have a rails run. The horse hit $800 in play, was second last, uh, and then just finished simply too good. Won the race um, with an absolute gem of a ride from Rachel King. So uh, well done to her. She's in fine form at the moment. But the bad beats, let's start off at race four, Mooney Valley. Uh, Saltair um, mm. obviously looped him around the, the turn, probably went a little bit too wide, uh, but he just didn't get his head down at the right time and uh, and gumdrops nicked it. Uh, the horse hit a $1.05 in play and lost. Uh, going over to basketball, Phoenix Suns versus the LA Lakers. Phoenix had almost 12K matched on them at $1.11 or less before going on to lose to LeBron's Lakers. LeBron had 21 points. I think uh, Anthony Davis had 30 plus. So uh, mm. they were in fine form, a big last quarter there. And then the final one, the Cavs traded a dollar yeah. three against OKC before going down. Uh, not Josh Giddy's finest performance, but he he's still always a catalyst in his in his still a young wins. man at the end of the day. Um, but Shay Gillius Alexander, he's turning into one of the superstars of the competition, um, and it's good to see Chet Holmgren, um, yep. obviously a high draft pick for for OKC, really skinny, lanky guy. Um, I don't know how <laughs> those sorts of players like Victor Wembanyama uh, get onto yeah. the court and don't get bullied by the opposition. Um, I actually, sorry, Dame. I had had one more from uh, yep. from uh, the AFLW actually. Yes. Um, St Kilda versus the Brisbane Lions. Yes. Were you across that game? Yeah, I had a look. The Brisbane Lions were wearing the old Brisbane Bears jersey. A bit of an ode to years past when they used to get belted. The men's team used to get belted at the <laughs> Rabbin quite a lot, actually. Well, the Brisbane Lions uh, uh, women's team are, are fighting for a top four spot. Correct. I think this this loss. Uh, they're one of the flag favourites, but this loss really um, puts them out of touch with the, the top four now. Well, they had a bad loss to Collingwood where they led mm. for most of the way a couple of weeks ago and looks like another similarly bad loss here. So Brisbane started at $1.05. That is short, yeah. right, against the Saints who were $10. And they were playing at Moorabbin. Crazy price considering they were at Moorabbin. And the Saints had won four of their last five games. They had Turned a- things around after... A bit of a struggle over the last couple of seasons. They had an ugly loss the the week before, but yeah, they were they were fantastic against the Brisbane Lions, and they're going to be fighting against Carlton next week for a for a final spot. So the AFLW's uh, been fantastic this season. I'm really really enjoying it.
Yeah, just a few live scores of the NBA as well. You mentioned that, okay, see, we're 108 to 105 over the Cavs, but uh, in terms of live scores at the moment, Detroit leading Chicago 66 to 59 halfway through the third. Uh, same stage of the game where the Pelicans lead the Knicks 67 to 56 at halftime. The Wizards lead the Grizzlies 62 to 46. The Cavs are trailing the Pacers at the moment. Late in the second, 51 to 46. The Raptors lead the 76ers 55 to 51 late in the second as well. And they've... I think they're almost on the cusp of uh, the end of the first period and Miami leading the Timberwolves 23-22, to so still early days there. And, of course, you mentioned the Suns, they take on the Utah Jazz a little bit later on today. I think about 1 p.m. tip-off Australian time this afternoon. We'll take a break. We're here, of course, for Betfair. This is the Sunday Betfair Edge. Back or lay NBA markets exclusive to Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. Yes, our sympathies to all the New Zealanders out there losing the Rugby Union World Cup final to South Africa by a solitary point. They went down in the Pacific Championships Rugby League encounter against the Kangaroos last night. And, of course, they went down in their Cricket World Cup match against Australia last night as well in a very tight encounter. So... Yes, commiserations to the New Zealanders out there. I thought I'd play a bit of Kiwi theme music. And uh, we've got the Sunday Betfair Edge in tow. Carl Kaldawi is in the studio. Back or lay NBA markets exclusive to Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. Just quickly, I know this isn't necessarily relevant to sport, but reports coming through that Matthew Perry, who was a star on the sitcom Frenzy, starred in a number of films as well, has apparently passed away. Reports coming through at the age of 54 after an apparent drowning. So those reports coming through. I wasn't a necessarily a big fan of Friends, but really enjoyed reading his memoirs uh, that were released last year. And he's certainly had his battles over time. So that's very sad news yeah. coming through. Were you a Friends fan? I was a massive Friends fan. I've seen every episode really? twice, three times. Um, and this is going to have, this is massive news. It's going to have a massive impact to, to the Friends community, which is absolutely enormous. Um, yeah. So that that's really seriously breaking news. Um, almost, almost first year, it's TMZ and then Damo. So <laughs> Uh, There's, yeah. There are other other sources that are reporting it as well. If it was based <laughs> off TMZ, maybe not so much that I'd be reliant upon it. But, yeah, very sad news and certainly our deepest sympathies to not only the fans but particularly to his family as well at this tough time. Now, text message coming through. Anonymous here. I backed Tom Kitten at $2.30 on Wednesday. Couldn't believe it started $2.60. How good does that really smash them? Yeah, so Tom Kitten was uh, was a firm favourite and you just sort of didn't want to dive into that short odds. He, he was obviously the best horse in the race by five or six lengths, but... Um, some weird betting exchange movements. You know, he got crunched from two seventy into two dollars about ten minutes before the jump, but then his BSP went back out to to two seventy four, which was nine point six percent better than the best tote, uh, and it just kept on moving back and forth. In the end, at two uh, two seventy four, probably won like you know that firm two dollar shot there, odds on favourite, uh, anything below two dollars. So yeah, it was a it was a massive performance from Tom Kitten and probably a well deserved Group One winner now. Absolutely. Now we had the Cricket World Cup, of course, continuing last night. I did mention it before, Carl, that Australia took on New Zealand. And gee, didn't they come out of the blocks? It was amazing. They were on target to make 500, I reckon, at one point with Dave Water. And Travis Head has come back from an absence of about, what, six matches effectively. And he just stormed away, claimed player of the match honours with his century and really set up the foundation it proved to be. 
very, very decisive in the end because the Kiwis made a big fight of it and just fell short at the end. There was still a chance coming into that last over. And I just felt a lot of people do criticise Australian captaincy in general these days, but some of the field placings were superb. Glenn Maxwell in the outfield, absolutely sensational, made a couple of saves. Manus Labashain as well in the outfield, saving potential boundaries. And I think that actually turned the game more than anything else where the pressure was on in that last over. Yeah. And the Aussies get up. Absolutely. It was a, it was a fantastic game. Look, I, I need to go back and watch watch the, the full replay. I got the highlights in, but Travis Head hits his fourth ODI ton and he does it in his first match uh, of the tournament coming back from, I think it was a wrist injury. Yeah. Was it? Um, yeah. They were going to get 400. They finished on 388 runs. New Zealand took four wickets for one run to finish off Australia. Um, one player I want to talk about is Ravindra. Only 23 years old and yep. he's hit uh, for New Zealand and he's hit two tons this World Cup. He's going to be an absolute superstar player, I think, in the future. At 23, um, if you're doing that, yeah, you, you've certainly got a big future ahead of you. But as you said, it all came down to the final over. New Zealand needed 19 <laughs> from the over. Yep. Mitchell Stark was asked to uh, to, to bowl the last over and, and did a fantastic job in Australia. We are able to... Hold on there, but it's off the back of some fantastic fielding, uh, as you said, especially in that outfield, Marcus Labuschagne and, and the like. And one as well, Glenn Maxwell, he's just having a fantastic tournament too. Uh, Travis Head had, had 109 runs. Dave Warner, uh, 81. Glenn Maxwell, uh, 41 runs. So yeah, yeah, that was off 24 deliveries as well. He had exactly. a couple of sixes. But Travis Head, his innings underpinned by Tim Fours and seven sixes. He was absolutely sensational and... He does have a bit of a cult following developing now, which is fantastic. And, yeah, you mentioned Rachid Ravindra, 116 or 89 deliveries, nine fours and five sixes underpinning his knock. And I think probably another player who deserves credit in that New Zealand lineup, James Neesham, when the pressure was on, he got them back into the contest in their run chase, 58 off 39. He was run out by Marnus Labuschagne in the end, managed to effectively get the throw in to Inglis, who did well with his athleticism to knock the bales off. And Neesham made a valiant attempt to dive to get back in. But unfortunately, for New Zealand's sake, he was dismissed. And that probably was a decisive factor as well. It was only probably the one loose delivery from Stark in that final over, which managed to protrude away from the keeper and went to the boundary for four. One of those awkward ones that was wide of the mark. But other than that, he, his deft bowling was pretty good as well. And, yeah, the field settings, he bowled well to his field. And that's always a critical thing. It's just those little things. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Ponting highlighted it last night. Mm-hmm. Just those little elements. Putting the right players in the right positions as well. Mm-hmm. Maxwell, Maxwell in the deep. Labuschagne in the deep. Very, very skillful in those areas. And we've seen that in all formats of the game as well. So they've turned things around, haven't they, Australia? I think a lot of people were keen to put them on the chopping block in the early stage of the tournament when they were defeated soundly in their first couple of games. But this is the thing about an ODI World Cup. Form turns around and we saw it in 1999 when Australia came from almost the depths of despair to win that World Cup. And I'm not saying there's a parallel here, but it just goes to show things can change pretty quickly. Well, I'll definitely be on the email to the data team at Betfair uh, on Monday morning because Australia drifted big time in in the winner market for the, the World Cup there. They're back into second favourite. Uh, they're $4.30. India is yeah. the favourite, $2.30. Um, there's $5 million matched, over $5 million matched in, in that winner market. So plenty of liquidity there for punters. I also like watching, and I think one of the unique hallmarks of the Cricket World Cup is seeing some of the middows go around. And the Netherlands, they defeated Bangladesh by 87 runs. They're really coming to the fore at the moment. Scott Edwards, who's based in Melbourne, actually, he's their skipper 
the Netherlands, and he's been playing well for them and seeing Afghanistan as well. I think there should be more minnows actually allowed into the ODI World Cup. Seen some upsets over the years. I think just open it up because you never know what can happen. Yeah. It shows there is great depth there in world cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love how they uh, they took down South Africa, and they're an informed team. They they won uh, a, a few big games with some big scores off the back of that that loss. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm a massive fan of the Netherlands. And what about the Rugby Union World Cup overnight as well? The Proteas defeating the All Blacks by the barest of margins in the end, 12 to 11. Of course, both of those teams contested the 1995 Rugby World Cup final. Some say it changed South Africa as a nation forever. This time, obviously, probably not the same political atmosphere as we had back then off the back of apartheid. But still, I think they'd be enraptured as we speak about how New Zealanders would be deflated at the moment. But South Africa would be absolutely jumping. Yeah, huge win from uh, from the Springboks, uh, and a little bit of controversy as well. Uh, Sam Kane, the the skipper of the All Blacks, given a yellow card, and then uh, subsequently ended up changing over to a red card for for a yes. tackle. So, uh, big news, but the Springboks go back to back. Um, that was a fantastic Rugby World Cup. I thought, I, obviously, Australia were <laughs> were worse than poor. Um, it, it goes for quite a while. What time? What what day did? It, Start. Oh, it was probably start like September, August. wasn't it? Yeah, end yeah. of August, start of September around there. So um, I, I think I was in Paris on my honeymoon and, uh, and yeah, some of the teams started to, to rock up then and that was in September time. So, now nah, a, a great a great end to the, uh, the Rugby World Cup. Uh, South Africa 12, All Blacks 11. Uh, yeah. That's the third straight one-point win for the Springboks in this tournament. They defeated France, who were the hosts, and they themselves were riding the blaze of glory in the sense that they were the host nation. They had the country behind them and they defeated the All Blacks earlier on in the tournament. And the Springboks managed to defeat them 29 to 28 in the quarterfinals and then a 16 to 15 win over England in the semi. So heartbreak again for England, of course. But yeah, they seem to be probably that type of side with the maturity and I guess the aptitude to really contain the opposition and actually perform under pressure pretty well, which even not only just in the cricket, but also in rugby union has been a question mark for the Springboks over the years. So yeah, a fantastic victory. And in the end, not many tries scored in general. Uh, Bowden Barrett brought the All Blacks back into the game in the 58th minute with a try after they were a little bit deflated in the first half, but the Springboks holding on to a 12 to 11 victory in the final. So there we go. History made 2023. I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? I uh, wonder what the fallout will be from a Wallabies point of view, obviously, with the whole saga surrounding Eddie Jones. But I suppose it remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. I think he's got another coaching gig somewhere else. Mm. But I'll tell you a coach that is in form, and it's Ange Postecoglou. Yes. The, a late labian, actually, for me, is all, all the haters of Ange. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very well on, on his bandwagon. He, he's, a, he's obviously a, a great coach and leading uh, the Tottenham Hotspur to, to a fantastic season. Uh, they're on top of the table uh, away from Arsenal. Um, eight wins, uh, 26 points. Arsenal uh, are seven wins and, and 24 points. But I think Arsenal overnight had a 5-0 victory over Sheffield United. Um, so, yeah, certainly uh, Arsenal are, are hot on the heels of Ange's Tottenham Hotspur. But I think, uh, Damo, we were on the show a few months ago before the EPL season started. And I'm pretty sure we had a look at the the future EPL markets and Tottenham were 80 plus dollars on the Betfair exchange. And yeah, they've, they've hammered in now, obviously uh, after back uh, uh, off the back of being top of the table at this point. So uh, yeah, fantastic from uh, Tottenham. 
Well, the question mark will be if they can sustain this form right throughout the season as well. As we've seen, you know, teams that ride the crest of a wave, whether it's a sentimental aspect or whether they're just in form in general, I can probably reference Arsenal last season. You know, they were riding the crest, crest of a wave effectively. They had the form behind them and then they faltered towards the back end of the season. The question marks were there of Leicester, of course, back in 2016 and they managed to defy all of those doubters. And I suppose that's going to be the test now for the Spurs, whether they can maintain this form. I backed them in, I think, to do that. And Ange Postacoglu, he's an experienced campaigner at all levels and I think he would be disciplined enough not to get ahead of himself. Well, if you back them in, then you should head to the Betfair Exchange. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly because there's still $11 there on the fourth line of betting. Man City is still rock solid at $1.84. Uh, firm favourites there. Arsenal second at $6. Liverpool third uh, favourite at $6.40. And then Tottenham there uh, fourth at $11. And then the next best is Newcastle at $70 there. So... Over five million matched in that market, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I'm I'm actually quite surprised to see Tottenham there uh, on the fourth line of betting. Uh, they're in great form. I think. Keep keep backing keep backing the inform uh, teams. I say. I love the press conferences of Ange Foster Coglu. He's making it a bit of a weekly ritual to watch them, and every time he says "mate," we'll probably count it. I wonder if it'll set a record. Each time. I like it. It brings an Aussie flavour to the EPL, which is brilliant. We'll take a break. Back to wrap up on the other side. You're listening into the Sunday Betfair Edge. Carl Kaldawi joining myself, Damian Watson, in the studio. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge on SEN. Big welcome back to the Sunday Betfair Edge as we approach lunchtime, Eastern time. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. Damian Watson and Carl Kaldawi with you. Carl, we're building up towards the Melbourne Cup Carnival, and indeed that also includes the call of the carb, which is just over a week away. Damo, I'm so excited that Betfair's chosen to be involved in this year's call of the carb. Is that because you get a free invite and free lunch? Uh, no, well, it means I've got to work my, my, my tail off, actually. Oh, sorry. Um, but, I, but, <laughs> but you love working uh, at the events that, that are awesome. Uh, obviously, going to be a, a heaps of pro punters in the room. The bookies are going to be there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic event. I've always enjoyed... Uh, the call of the card. But I think the best thing about it uh, this year is uh, with Betfair's involvement, we're, we're getting some really cool people into the room. Jason Richardson has been hosting for, for seven years now. He's going to be host, co-hosting with Emma Friedman this year. Uh, Hutchie from racing.com is going to be yeah, doing Hutchison. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite guys in the whole wide world. Brent Zarafa is going to be interviewing punters and, uh, and yeah, I think it's just going to be a special event. Plenty, uh, plenty of action is going to be happening there, and, and and great to watch all the markets move because the call of the card shapes the the, the Melbourne Cup market uh, in the end. So hopefully, uh, bookies can give punters competitive odds, uh, and obviously Betfair is going to support. Uh, obviously, having the market up as well uh, that punters can have a look at. So yeah, it should should be a fantastic event, and then that goes straight. Uh, sorry, and then just before that, I mean, we, we've skipped over, glossed over Derby Day. Yes. Um, three group ones this Saturday coming up. Um, and then post that, obviously, we're going to do the Melbourne Cup barrier draw. And then Andrew Hawkins is going to have his exclusive Melbourne Cup preview on the Betfair Hub. Uh, and, yeah, he, he knows absolutely every single detail about every single one of these horses. So it, it is a must-view preview uh, by Andrew Hawkins. He was the voice somewhat of Hong Kong racing, not as a caller, but as a Juno for a while, wasn't he, and tipster? Yeah, absolutely. He's very much across. He loves his international racing. Uh, yeah, he goes 
uh, over to Royal Ascot and, and, and the big meetings over there, the, the ARC and, and the like. Um, and obviously, yeah, loves his Hong Kong racing as well. He's uh, been hosting, I think, the HK JC uh, team over. Uh, obviously, they came with Romantic Warrior. So uh, he's been very busy, but not too busy to make sure he's keeping an eye on the Melbourne Cup as well. And what's your plan for Derby Day? And indeed, we get towards Melbourne Cup week in general. Is it all settled, the itinerary? Uh, what am I going to do? No, it's not. We'll, oh. we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I need to find somewhere to watch the races, whether that's in the office with some of my teammates or whether it's going to the races. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm sure we'll be able to find a bet somewhere uh, at some point. Be interesting to see if my girl Fangirl goes to the Empire Rose and backs up uh, from the Cox Plate. Oh, um, don't think that's going to be the option, but five ten in the market, we'll see. Well done to a couple of the texters as well, Stu and Big Fella off the text machine. They're part of the ownership group for Where's the Gold that won the South Australian Pacing Cup last night in the trots. So that joins the Tasmanian Cup title for Where's the Gold. So big congratulations to everyone involved there. Carl, how are you going to spend the rest of your day? Oh, I'll probably just go get a little bit of sleep, drove down from <laughs> the beach this morning and then, yeah, back up working. I think we're going to have some uh, more pro uh, call of the card features on the Betfair uh, social media platforms tonight. So keep an eye out for those. And keep your eye on the NBA as well. There's a lot happening as we speak. So I know you love your NBA in <laughs> yeah, general. That's it. Carl, appreciate your time. Thanks very much for stepping in for Tommy Haylock. Thanks, Dama. Good stuff. Hope you enjoyed the program. Of course, we've got David Taggart and Sam Highland hosting Trackside today, Jockey's Day, and that'll start in about five minutes' time. Take care. Have a fantastic remainder of your weekend. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose.